Farzine Vasugin here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Welcome in. Happy November. Hope you all had a great Halloween. You know what they say about November? It is You hear Christmas music on the radio. I didn't even know people still listen to music radio, but hey, uh, 2023, people still got to get their uh, music radio uh, one way or another. But nonetheless, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk Chiefs football. Hoping for a turnaround this week, a big game this week, as the Chiefs are going to visit the or not uh, visit the Miami Dolphins. We'll go play the Miami Miami Dolphins in Germany. Uh, international series continuing on the season. It's the first ever NFL game in Germany, so it should be very interesting to see how this one goes. The Chiefs. Uh, it, Going out there, they've been doing a lot of promotion. A lot of thought that the Chiefs were going to go there last year and visit the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers did not want to give up a home game when Tom Brady came out of retirement. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of truth to, to that. If you uh, watch any of the Chiefs games last year, um, you'll recall in the preseason, uh, last year's preseason, they show a lot of Chiefs Germany footage because and they shot all that because they were going to use it to promote Chiefs Buccaneers in, in Germany, but that never happened. So uh, they ended up uh, they ended up using it for something. So uh, they had to use it for something. Um, by the way, I, I think that's a mistake. The, wasn't there an NFL game in Germany last year, or were, were there two? Um, I I know there was one. Uh, I just can't remember which two teams were there, but I just can't remember if there were one or two games last year. Checking that. Oh, no. Several games last year. I did not realize that. Uh, started in 2021. Okay. I was not aware. I thought 2021, uh, there were no international games. I know 2020, there were not. I didn't realize they went back in 2021. Uh, completely missed that right there. They didn't go to Wembley in 2021, which is interesting, but they went back in 22. So uh, they've been uh, at Tottenham for, uh, for a couple of years now. I didn't realize that, but should be a lot of fun. Uh, Chiefs. Dolphins, Tyreek Hill uh, really wanted to come back to Arrowhead. He talked about that. We'll talk about that a little later on. As usual, we'll do our week eight roundup and week nine preview. Give you guys some of my key games for this week. We'll go over the trade deadline. Kansas City did not do anything. A lot of people disappointed by that, but also expected that to happen. I'll give you guys a little bit of a key recipe little secret recipe in beating the Miami Dolphins. There's actually a, a pretty key set out there that a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to how to beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, very high-powered Miami Dolphins team. Spoiler alert, they're number one in every offensive category. So uh, how does Kansas City combat that? Obviously going to be the biggest test of the season for the Chiefs defense and for the Chiefs offense coming off the game that they just had. How, do, uh, how does that offense respond against a high-powered Miami team that they're going to try to compete with. Um, and I also want to go, give my thoughts on this whole international series, the NFL trying to push the, the global growth of the sport. Um, obviously, it's an attempt to try to get a team in London or somewhere in Europe, and it's just not going to work. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, all of that and much more, plus my breakdown and prediction for the game. This podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com. Get your tickets for sporting events, concerts, whatever it is you want to attend. SeatGeek has it. If you guys want to catch a Chiefs game, whether you live in the Kansas City area, you want to go to a local college game, KUK State, Missouri, one of those teams, or you want to catch a concert, maybe in your neck of the woods, the baseball playoffs are going on, go to SeatGeek.com. And if you're a first-time customer, use my promo code, Farzine, you will get $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek.com using the promo code Farzine. Go to SeatGeek.com, use the promo code Farzine, and get yourself $20 off for your next event. That's $20 off using the promo code Farzine at checkout at SeatGeek.com. All right. 
let's get right into it. By the way, appreciate all of you who are downloading and listening to the podcast version of the episode. For all of you watching live on Facebook and on YouTube, big thanks to all of you as well. Jeremy says it's 8.30 a.m. too early for cheese dip. Uh, no, no, you make some exceptions, you know. Uh, forget about a healthy breakfast. You gotta eat what you what you what you gotta eat for your football, man. Um, I'm not an early morning drinker. I will say that right now. But um, yeah, gonna have to uh maybe make an exception for for, for this game. Uh, hey, uh, let's get the week eight roundup out of the way, and also the week nine preview. Uh, some very interesting week eight games. Uh, let's start with the Eagles and the Commanders. That game was much closer than a lot of people expected. The thing that gets talked about the most is the tush push or the brotherly shove, whatever everyone's calling it. Um, the Eagles uh, attempted that a couple of times. Uh, on one occasion, the tush push actually failed uh, because Jalen Ramsey, or excuse me, Jalen Hurts fumbled the football. Uh, and Washington recovered. And then there was another attempt late in the game where they lined up doing the tush push. And it was a trick play uh, where they handed off to DeAndre Swift. Easiest touchdown run probably of DeAndre Swift's career. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of like what Kansas City's done for so many years with the um, with the shovel passes, the jet sweeps, the, the tight end sneaks. Um, the, you know, they, they've tried to do different variations of that to throw teams off because obviously teams catch on at once in a while, at some point. And uh, the Eagles realize, look, teams are going to eventually figure this out. We got to find different ways to kind of throw teams off, making it look like we're going to do what we're going to do. Um, and I think, you know, credit to Nick Sirianni and the Eagles coaching staff for drawing that up and for the players for executing uh, trick play perfectly uh, came through. And obviously it was very key because this ended up being a one score game. The commanders have played the Eagles very tough uh, these last few games. Uh, of course, if you remember last year on Monday Night Football, the uh, commanders did pull off a big upset uh, against the Eagles. Um which, you know, every team goes through their bad loss. We just saw the Chiefs go through uh, their, their really embarrassing loss. Uh, we'll get into that a little later on. Um, but the Eagles still ended up representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So um, even the best teams, and my point in bringing this up is a lot of people still kind of down, feeling bad about that game on Sunday, and rightfully so. But um, every team goes through that. But, yeah, the, the Eagles were able to hold off the Commanders this time. Panthers-Texans, uh, probably a game that no one cared about, but was pretty exciting uh, coming down to the wire. Uh, Panthers uh, got a field goal. They were losing by one and they were getting all of these uh, untimed downs, essentially, because the Texans kept committing all these penalties late, allowing the Panthers to get closer and closer for an easier try. And I, actually, I take that back. I don't know if it was an untimed down or not, but nonetheless, the Panthers got a last play field goal to win the game and got their first victory of the season. So shout outs to the uh, to the uh, uh, Panthers there. We will not have a winless team this year, so congratulations to the Detroit Lions, the 0-16 Detroit Lions from 2011 to 2010, 09. I can't remember what year it was. Or 08. It was 08. Uh, I take that back. So you guys uh, hold the record for uh, long, uh, longest uh, winless season in NFL history. So uh, they get to keep that record. Ravens, Cardinals. This one also ended up being closer than expected. The Ravens pulling away with a 31-24 win. But I think what's interesting about this is Josh Dobbs. Uh, traded away to Minnesota. So, uh, and, and obviously Minnesota with uh, a, a, a very uh, sad uh, ending for um, for Kirk Cousins. Obviously, if, if you saw the series, which a lot of you did, wanting to follow Patrick Mahomes, um, I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans followed for Mahomes, but they ended up really liking Kirk Cousins. A lot of people ended up becoming fans of Kirk Cousins as a person. Um, that's why, like, obviously, you know, as Chiefs fans, we all love Patrick Mahomes and, and Brittany and, and, and all of them. But, you know, from a personal standpoint, I related to Kirk Cousins and his family far more than anyone else. His wife at one point, uh, I, I think, was talking about like, hey, we're, we're basic people. We, we buy clothes from, from Walmart or Target. Like, that's where a lot of people go. Um, and not to say, I mean, listen, not to say... Brittany and, and Patrick are not um, relatable people. I'm sure they are in some way, but let's be honest. They live this lifestyle that no one else lives. They always fly charter flights. They're always in the suites. Um, they're in their 20s and they own professional sports teams or have part ownership in professional sports teams. So a lot of people do not relate to them as much as they would um, 
to uh, Kirk Cousins and, and his family. So very sad ending to uh, uh, Kirk Cousins' seasons. And obviously, uh, the Vikings are going to try to uh, move forward with Josh Dobbs. Bengals and 49ers. Bengals won this by two scores. The 49ers actually did a really good job of moving the football, but Purdy just not doing too well. He's really just, he's having this come to earth, uh, come down to earth moment here where, you know, his level of play has been really bad the last three weeks. 49ers, or excuse me, the Bengals waking up a little bit lately. Uh, you see, still see some struggles on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and I think a, a lot of defenses maybe know how to attack that, but they've definitely played a, a no, I don't want to say a lot better, but definitely playing better as of late. This one was a very interesting one. Jets, Giants, nobody cared about this game, but I guess the way the game ended, I mean, the way the Jets rallied in this one, winning in overtime, uh, the way they forced overtime was crazy, and then they how they won it. Um, the Jets won 13 to 10. They combined... 23 points, but there were 24 combined punts. I've never seen this stat line before where there were more punts than combined points. I've never seen that before. I'm sure it's happened at least once or twice, but, but I mean, that is just, that, that is actually very impressive to, to have more total punts than points. That is Wildly impressive. Uh, very impressive. And then Monday Night Football, Lions 26, Raiders 14. The Lions uh, played a great game in this one, but that really was not the story. Everybody was talking about uh, the Raiders and how they looked on Monday Night Football, putting up 14 points. And Devontae Adams, the type of game he had, complaining about his lack of uh, targets. Well, he's been targeted the past couple of weeks. He drops a pass in the end zone last week, uh, dropped a couple in this game. And uh, he even looked to the media and said, look, man, I'm barely going to talk to you guys because I just don't want things to blow up in the media because he has said some things this year already, which has already caught fire. Uh, and I think and I understand that, you know, you do not. The, the media circus today is far bigger than it was 15 years ago. Um, and even back then, teams were cautious of certain things that would pick up. And now in the social media era, if you would, um, teams try to be very uh, or players and teams try to be very ho-hum about certain things. But obviously, the biggest story now, 24 hours after losing the Lions or excuse me, the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. Probably a, a bit of a surprise with the specific timing of it. It came late Tuesday night. So a lot of people on the East Coast and Central Time Zones were already in bed when this happened. Um, uh, Very interesting timing when this happened, for sure. But nonetheless, it happened. And it wasn't just him. The general manager's out. The offensive coordinator was ousted. Jimmy Garoppolo has been benched. And they're going to go with Aiden O'Connell. Um. I, I get it, man. Uh, you got to you got to start trying different things. Um, let me just say this about Josh McDaniels, uh, because a lot of people are laughing at the fact that he got a second chance and comparing it to Eric Bieniemy, who has had to leave Kansas City to prove himself uh, as a member of the uh, of the Washington Commanders. Um, hey, listen, I don't want to do this whole comparing thing. I do agree it's silly that EB is not getting a chance, but let me say this about um, uh, about Josh McDaniels. I'm glad he got a second chance. Um, I think he is a smart offensive coach. I know he probably got carried by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in New England. But the thing about Josh McDaniels, you got to keep in mind, um, a lot of teams felt very highly of him. Uh, this is a guy who got off to a great start in Denver. It was a 6-0 start, I think, if I recall correctly. And that ended with the Chiefs of all teams uh, destroying. Remember that game, Jamal Charles and uh, Derek Johnson. Derek Johnson had two pick sixes in that game, and the Chiefs destroying the Broncos in that one prevented the uh, McDaniels-led Broncos from getting into the playoffs. Um, and he just could never recover from that. Uh, but that was more than ten years ago to the day where he got his Raiders job. So, and I, you know, obviously he uh, did verbally agree to a head coaching job with the Colts. So teams obviously feel very high about Josh McDaniels. Um, but man, he got a second chance, which I think he deserved. I think everyone deserved. Bill Belichick had to get a second chance. Um, he didn't do very well in Cleveland. Um, but you know what? McDaniels got a second chance. And I think now we know he's just not an NFL head coach. He really isn't. Um, can he be a good offensive coordinator somewhere outside of New England? I don't know. Um, he, I'll even throw this possibility out there. Could he really be the guy who succeeds Bill Belichick in New England? I'm not going to dismiss that at all. I know 
McDaniels does have a very good relationship with the Kraft family, so they would certainly consider uh, him. I would, I would at least imagine. Uh, but McDaniels, the first NFL head coach fired. Um, I saw on CBS Sports the Raiders have changed head coaches twelve times in the last twenty years. That is the most in the NFL. Uh, a couple teams right behind them, but. The, the the Raiders uh, lead the league in that category. That, that is impressive. That is wildly impressive. Some wildly uh, impressive bad stats on this podcast so far today. Um, we'll see how the Raiders do moving forward. Um, but, man, uh, they're uh, they're already uh, looking for their next head coach. Uh, they should have kept Rich Passaccia. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but your interim head coach, Took you to the playoffs. Something you've only seen twice in 20 years. How do you not? How, how, how do they screw that up? Listen, I know there are people who get skeptical of a defensive coordinator or a special teams coordinator. But man, he was your interim coach and he led the team. Like Raiders. I, I still remember when the Chiefs beat up on the Raiders twice in 2021. Raiders fans wrote off their own team. After that Raiders loss, uh, the their loss of the Chiefs, they made the playoffs that year. So, uh, I I don't know, man. Um, listen, I, I've said it so many times. McDaniel's was not the solution, but he was far, far from the problem. The Raiders have had issues for decades, plural, guys, decades. That's for them to figure out. Uh, week nine preview. Uh, some some interesting games here. Minnesota Vikings four and four. Atlanta Falcons also four and four. How does Minnesota look in their first game without Kirk Cousins? Man, I know Kirk Cousins has faced a lot of scrutiny in Minnesota and even even in Washington. I, I think Minnesota Vikings fans are going to really come around and, and miss him when he's not there um, for the rest of the season. And I think you're going to see that. And it's so tough because Justin Jefferson's gone. And I mean, he's not gone permanently. He, he is expected to be back, I assume. Uh, but, man, it's been a rough year for the Minnesota Vikings. They've had so many close games this year and even last year. But they were undefeated last year in one-score games until the playoffs. So uh, we'll see how they do moving forward. Seahawks, Ravens, Seahawks 5-2, and two, Ravens 6-2. and two. This is going to be a damn good game. This is going to be a very good game. Uh, Ravens have been playing very well lately. Seahawks quietly one of the better teams in the NFC. Raiders at, or excuse me, Giants at the Raiders. Giants are two and six. Raiders are three and five. They just let go of their head coach, offensive coordinator, GM, and they change quarterbacks. And the Raiders are still favored to win this football game. How amazing is that? Cowboys at the Eagles. Very good showdown here in the NFC East. I, yeah, I'm still not a, I'm not a buyer in the Cowboys. I'm sorry, I'm just not. Uh, but it should be a good showdown. Nonetheless, uh, those NFC East battles, always very fun to watch. So uh, this is definitely a game I'm going to keep my eye on. And then Sunday Night Football, Bills at the Bengals. Obviously, a lot of uh, promotion around the fact that this was the game that was supposed to happen last year on Monday Night Football. But the whole DeMar Hamlin situation, the way that happened, and they have to cancel the game. Uh, very emotional moment, and they're, they've already got that promoted for... Um, for Sunday night. So uh, definitely looking forward to that as well. Should be a very good football game too, between two ringless franchises. Uh, trade deadline, Washington mega sellers. in this one here, obviously the big story was Chase Young getting traded at the trade deadline just a couple hours right before the deadline. The number two pick from the 2020 draft, uh, Washington uh, has uh, traded him to the 49ers. So the 49ers defense, uh, despite struggling lately, they uh, definitely needed some, some, uh, Help there, and that was a pick-me-up right there. So the uh, Washington Commanders uh, s- trading Chase Young to the uh, to the 49ers. Uh, because of how active the 49ers were in trading away players, a lot of people were hoping Kansas City would step in and maybe target Terry McLaurin, uh, their third-round draft pick from 2019. He made the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, you guys know my opinions about Pro Bowls, but uh, did make the Pro Bowl last year. He came very close to 1,200 receiving yards, one of his best years as a receiver. Statistically, his best year as a receiver. So um, a lot of people were hoping the Chiefs would maybe get involved in that with the uh, with the Washington Commanders, but nope. Kansas City said no. Reports came out Sunday morning that they were going to stand pat, and uh, those reports resurfaced again on Monday, and then Tuesday we just heard again the Chiefs are not expected to, to do anything. So obviously no deal uh, involving the Kansas City Chiefs. So 
the Kansas City Chiefs basically, and listen, maybe the Chiefs were involved in something. We'll never know. But a lot of reports were out there that the Chiefs were pretty comfortable with what they have. What does that tell you? Brett Veach and Andy Reid, they are putting all of their confidence into this group right here with the wide receivers. Um, Andy Reid did say in his press conference today, like, hey, listen, just last week we were talking about how, how good this core was, the way they put up 31 on the, on the Chargers. And yes, that's true. But the wide receiver struggles and the commentary around all of that has been around for a few weeks now. I said it, um, I want to say it was after week four or five. And then I mentioned it after the first Denver game, the, the one where the Chiefs actually won. I said, look, we got to talk about the receivers. They are not at all picking up the slack. And here was the concern. A lot of people said, well, Mahomes doesn't trust his receivers. And then in the first Denver meeting, there were Chiefs wide receivers getting wide open, but Mahomes was not throwing to them. And so the comment, the, the narrative then became Mahomes needs to trust his wide receivers. Okay, well, Mahomes has been trying to do that the past couple of games. What happens? McCole Hardman in his first game back has a drop. Uh, he also fumbles a punt return, not on offense, but still a wide receiver who, you know, you're relying on him to, at the very least, catch the punt and try to get some yards out of it. And then, uh, you know, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumbling, Travis Kelsey also committed a drop. He he admitted to that on the podcast, trying to take some responsibility. And I'll read Kelsey's quote in a moment because he said some things that uh, that definitely need to be uh, brought to light here. Um, Sky Moore, I know uh, it was brought up by Andy Reid on Monday that Sky Moore did have his arm grabbed. Okay, but he got it away from the defender in time to try to make the play. And I heard this uh, being mentioned on social media this week and also on talk radio about how Sky Moore, obviously they tried to use him as a punt returner last year, and that was a major failure. Yes, he did have that massive punt return against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game on the um, on, on the drive that got the game-winning fuel from Harrison Butker, but in his overall body of work as a punt returner, something he never did in college, it just was not working out for him, especially in that Indianapolis game. That contributed to Kansas City's loss that, that year against the Colts. So the topic then came up, you know, did he just lose sight of the football when he was trying to track it in the end zone? Uh, because it hit him right in the arm. So statistically speaking, that I don't think that counts as a drop because it didn't hit, hit him in the hands directly. But um, it's it, it's a it's a it's a pass that should have been caught for sure. Um, and I think that is what a lot of people just struggle with is is his very slow progression so far in the NFL. He's being used more this year. Uh, but the uh, lack of production, not there. Marquez Valdez scaling, definitely taking a step back. And, you know, I'm just looking right now, and I never, I never thought I would say this in week one, but your two best wide receivers right now are Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson. I never thought in a million years I would say Justin Watson is the second best receiver on the Chiefs this season. I mean, I, I would have thought maybe Justin Ross or Kadarius Toney maybe Sky Moore, uh, perhaps uh, uh, MVS, maybe his uh, veteran experience would allow him to be one of the top two receivers. And it's none of those guys. Your your least experienced player, Rashi Rice, is the guy. And you have Watson, who, you know, a lot of people were kind of skeptical of him coming back because of that one game last year where he had two massive wide open drops. And a lot of people just not expecting this at all for those two guys to be their top two receivers. Um, and, and listen, we'll get to the game breakdown later on. Jalen Waddle has more receiving yards than Rasheed Rice. So this is one of those situations right there. If you're Kansas City, you got to figure it out. You decided to not make a move at the trade deadline? Fine. Uh, you're obviously putting all your trust in this unit. But man, for a unit that has not looked good, it's just hard to kind of buy in right now. It is. And I know there have been a lot of people online saying, well, if you trade for a receiver, they're going to have a hard time picking up the playbook and learning the system. Okay. But what about the guys you have now? Like Kadarius Tony had a full off season. Okay. And he even went and practiced with Mahomes um, before OTAs. Um, you're doing their own practices in Texas. Sky Moore got involved with that. 
Um, these Chiefs receivers got together on their own in the offseason to try to get some things down. And that's not translating very well on the field this regular season. So Chiefs are, uh, Chief, uh, listen, Andy Reid, I get it. He's a, a really loyal guy, but I don't know if this was a time to really be loyal and stick to your guys. Um, again, Sky Moore, his 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 progression is just very slow right now. Kadarius Tony, I don't know what the plan is with him. I mean, the amount of catches he has, 19 for 105 yards, I think. 19 catches for 105 yards. That is horrible. You, you, you That has to be better. Way better than that. Um, and then Justin Ross, who, you know, so much hype around him. He's obviously dealing with a legal battle and is on the commissioner's exempt list. So he's not available at the moment. Um, it would have been nice if you could use him as this, you know, uh, last line of hope for your receivers. But now you don't even have that. And even then, when he did get involved, uh, he was dropping passes in that Minnesota game. And the report that came out from Albert Breer that he was struggling in, uh, in practice, running routes, all kinds of things. Travis Kelsey even mentioned, you know, guys not running the right routes. Um, and he took responsibility for that. He said he, he was included as well. He was raising his hand when he did that. And I appreciate those who, um, someone on Twitter reached out to me and sent me the video version. I always listen to the audio version because that's always easier to listen to. Um, but on the video version, you actually see him raising his hand when he says, miss blocks. Drop passes, not running the right route. So he did that on the uh, video version, so you can see that there. But um, Kelsey said it on the podcast. It's it's gut check time. I mean, this is a unit that has the best quarterback, the best tight end, the best offensive mind in the game, and they look lousy against the Broncos. L listen, this Chiefs team, even in the games where they struggled to score, the Chiefs do a good job of moving the football. That is not up for debate. This is a good offensive team. They know how to move the sticks. They know how to get closer closer and closer to the end zone. But, man, this team just does not have that killer instinct when it comes to scoring. I'll say this right now. I was going to save it for the uh, game breakdown. But something very important to note with the Chiefs and the Dolphins, uh, they both have the same amount of red zone trips this year, 31 um, tied fifth in the NFL for that category. But Miami is number one in red zone scoring. Kansas City is 17th. So, again, two teams who are going to play each other this Sunday in Germany, they both have the same amount of red zone appearances, but Miami, number one in scoring, and Kansas City is 17th in red zone scoring. Let's put that into perspective there. That needs to change. One of the big reasons why the Chiefs went from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes is because in 2017, when it was Alex Smith's last year and Patrick Mahomes' rookie year, watching mostly from the sidelines, the Chiefs were dead last in the NFL in red zone offense. That changed drastically when Patrick Mahomes took over. So this is one of those teams right now where you know they can play better. And, and I think the numbers show it. And I know, listen, the wide receivers, yes, they're bad, and improvement would have been would have been nice. But look at last year's group of wide receivers. McCall Hardman was absent for a lot of games. Juju Smith Schuster missed some time, uh, and it was not the same when he came back from his concussion. Uh, Kadarius Tony missed a lot of time, even though people liked what they saw from KT on offense last year, not this year. Uh, he still missed a lot of time. So even then, you know, the wide receivers you did have in Juju, because a lot of people are saying the Chiefs missed Juju, and I think they do, but. He still missed a lot of time last year, so should be very interesting to see uh, how the Chiefs, you know, they, they're trusting their wide receivers. Okay, let's improve because that's all you can do right now is improve with this unit. Let's take a timeout for a moment and talk about Cable Dahmer Cadillac here in Kansas City. I recently purchased a car from Cable Dahmer, my first time ever owning a Cadillac. And I got to give a big shout out to Scott Toddy because he was the one who helped me make this purchase here. Scott's very knowledgeable, very honest, very professional, can help you with your car buying needs. I definitely got a lot of help from Scott getting the right car I wanted, getting uh, an understanding of everything with that vehicle. And obviously, you know, it's 2023. So many new features with vehicles today. Mine has Wi-Fi. I've never had Wi-Fi in a car before. So many other cool features uh, you get with these newer vehicles. And uh, Mike over at Cable Dahmer Cadillac introduced me to all of that. Gave me a thorough 
introduction here it's almost like uh when you play a video game for the first time and remember those video games uh before the digital era they would come with that little booklet there to tell you the controls and everything that's essentially what mike was he gave me that little booklet right there and told me everything i needed to know about my car all the features all of that good stuff right there so go to cable dom or cadillac uh, if you're looking for a new car, a used car, whether it's a Cadillac or a different kind of car, Scott Toddy can definitely help you with that. And by the way, I'll give a, since I'm na get, dropping names over at Cable Dahmer Cadillac, uh, another guy, uh, Brock Smith. Uh, if you guys uh, have a General Motors vehicle, so Cadillac, Chevrolet, um, I'm sure the, the, there's a couple others I'm missing there. Uh, go to Brock Smith. He's a service specialist there. And the thing I like about Brock is uh, he'll tell you what's wrong with your vehicle, what needs to be fixed. And I've been to so many different places where they say, hey, you have this issue with your vehicle. I'm like, what does that mean? Brock will tell you what issues you have, but he will also elaborate and tell you what these issues are and what the solution is and why this needs to be fixed. And if you don't understand it still, he'll break it down and give like tell you tell it to you like you're five. OK, I love that in these kinds of situations there, because a lot of these things I'm not uh, the most privy on. Uh, and that's what Brock does over at Cable Dot Cadillac. So if you need your uh, vehicle service and you're driving GM, go see him over at Cable Dot Cadillac. So go to those guys at Cable Dot Cadillac. Tell them Farzine sent you. Uh, Cable Dot Cadillac located on 103rd between State Line and Warnell. Uh, ask for Scott Toddy if you're looking for a new vehicle and tell him I sent you. All right, let's move on here and talk about some of Kelsey's comments from the New Heights podcast. Obviously talking about how, uh, let me uh, go ahead and put this uh, graphic up here uh, because this right here really helps put things into perspective. Um, talking about how the defense has been playing very well this year. Mentioned it multiple times too. Shout out the defense multiple times on his podcast. And on multiple occasions, he talked about how embarrassing that loss was to the Denver Broncos. Um, I heard Tim Gronhart on A10 on Seren's show talk about how, you know, the, the streak was going to snap at some point, but the way it got snapped, not a good look. Um, and Travis Kelsey, you know, he, he spoke is directly to Chiefs fans and said, hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we know this ain't acceptable. We know this is bad. We definitely got to do something about it. Um, and here's a specific quote right here. Not putting up touchdowns week after week after week. I'll repeat that again. Not putting up touchdowns week after week after week. He also said, quote, it's getting real one-sided when comparing how uh, how much the offense has struggled to the defense playing very well so far this year. And listen, I appreciate that because um, a lot of times, you know, players, you know, they'll say, hey, yeah, we got to change things. we got to play better. Kelsey's going, you know, all in. And he wasn't attacking anybody on the team. I, I think this is the best way, the, the way Kelsey put it. And I think, you know, being a podcaster and being in the media so much, um, I'm sure his agent and the Chiefs PR, they, they've coached him on what to say and not say on his podcast. Um, Kelsey, I think, did a good job criticizing the offense, including himself, and also at the same time, not bashing anybody, too. Um, cause all the issues that happened on offense was not just one guy. Um, so it was good to see that from Kelsey, a lot of accountability. Whenever sports fans see their favorite athletes, these rich athletes struggle like this. I think a lot of fans sometimes wonder, do they care? And I think Kelsey made it clear. We damn sure care. We were embarrassed by that game. So, uh, I'm definitely excited to see what this offense is going to do moving forward and trying to turn things around, uh, after a really embarrassing look in uh, last week's game against the Denver Broncos here. Uh, this is the third time ever uh, with Mahomes where the Chiefs did not score a touchdown against the Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55. In fact, I think that was the first blowout loss with Mahomes uh, against uh, Tennessee in the game in 2021. Remember that three and four start to the season? And then this past weekend in Denver. So, it really happens, you know, on average every other year. Uh, and listen, Tom Brady has had games where he just has looked absolutely awful. Remember that game against Kansas City where the Chiefs broke the noise record for loudest stadium in the world? I mean, the Chiefs just destroyed the Patriots 41-14. That was the same game where uh, Grappolo came in when it was 41-7, got a touchdown pass to Gronk. Like a garbage time touchdown. Gronk didn't even do the spike. He just, poof, just 
threw the football away. Didn't even want anything to do with the ball anymore, even though he scored. Um, I think that was like replayed more than any other play from that night because it was just so funny given the uh, circumstances from the game. Uh, but my point is like, and by the way, even the New England media and the New England fans after the game were like, yeah, we're done with Brady. We're done with Belichick. We got to move on and bring in a new um, uh, a new, a new uh, regime here. Well, look what happened. They won three more Super Bowls together. Brady won one more in, um, in Tampa Bay. So, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting that people are saying that here in Kansas City, but you are going to have these, you know, these kinds of games where you'll, where you'll struggle. Um, in Brady's case, it, it did happen um, a few times where it was on uh, back-to-back weeks. Uh, that hasn't happened in Kansas City, at least not yet. But uh, the Chiefs are definitely, you know, they've had their bad moments. This is not the this is not the first time they've looked bad in a game. Um, so I think a lot of people trust that the Chiefs are going to learn from this. And if your head coach is Andy Reid, you definitely are going to learn from this. I'm, I'm sure Andy Reid's going to let him know about it. I think a lot of people still just kind of, uh, you know, concerned about Matt Nagy. Is is he truly the guy? Because, you know, whenever things are working, um, people credit Andy Reid, and they're not. It's Matt Nagy. It was the same thing with Eric Bieniemy, uh, which I find interesting. Um, but with Nagy, there just seems to be that lack of killer instinct with the chiefs. Um, by the way, those comparisons between Washington and Kansas city came back again. So that's interesting. Uh, I thought we were done with that, but Hey, we're, we're here. We are Sam Howell had been compared to Patrick Mahomes a lot lately. So yeah, that's fun. Uh, you know, and again, those games against Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and, and this past weekend against Denver. Um, yeah, those happened. Very rarely. Do you see that happen? So as Kelsey said on the podcast, it is gut check time. You've got a smart offensive minded coach. You got the best quarterback, got the best tight end. Yeah. The rest of the, uh, uh, skill position players, maybe not the best outside of Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Jarek McKinnon, not really having the season that he he's been playing more this year than he has in, in past years earlier on in the season. Uh, but even he's kind of contributed to some of the struggles with drops and, uh, not not getting big plays there. So uh, I'm very curious to see how the Chiefs respond against a Miami team where, you know, if you're going to win that game, it's not going to be a low-scoring contest. Uh, very unlikely that it, it turns out that way. You have to you have to put up a lot of points. you got to score in the 30s, maybe 40s to win this football game. Also depends on your defense, which I think a lot of people trust, even with their biggest test of the season. Let me give you guys a little secret about Tua Tagovailoa whenever he gets sacked in games. Whenever he gets sacked three times, the Dolphins are three and two. When he gets sacked four or more times, the Dolphins are one and four. So you want to know the secret recipe to beating the Miami Dolphins? Sack Tua. Get to Tua. Pressure him. Get to him at least four times. You do that, man, you've got a really good shot at winning. At least an 80% chance when you look at the win-loss record for Tua. When he's been sacked at least four times. Record is one four. So that's an 80% win rate or win probability in Kansas City's favor. So that right there is what the Chiefs need to do in order to try to win this Sunday in Germany. All right. Um, I mentioned Germany. I, I want to take a moment and talk about this whole international series thing. Um, look, listen, I love these 8.30 a.m. games. But what are we doing? What's the goal? What's the end game with London and Germany? Um, I know they played some other international games in the preseason. Andy Reid, when he was with the Packers, the Packers and the Chiefs played a preseason game in Tokyo once. Um, what is What does everyone want out of this? Supposedly, there's going to be a team in London one day. And I can't remember the name of the gentleman who was on Sirius XM NFL radio um, and he says, look, uh, we know this ruffles some feathers over uh, in the United States, but there's talk about a team coming to London one day. That's the reality of it. Okay. Um, isn't that London team going to be the worst team in the NFL? Just just from the travel standpoint, just from that. Okay. you. I know we're in a 17-game schedule now, but you're going to have at least eight road games. Okay. Um, 
This is why they have a week zero in college football for teams that are playing Hawaii and also to help Hawaii a little bit. That way they can kind of adjust with their bye weeks. Um, so think about this. Listen, even in the United States, we talk about teams. You know, if a, if a team on the West Coast has to constantly go over to the East Coast throughout the season and how much that can really impact the team. Uh, I mean, we talk about that here in the United States. Think about internationally. And by the way, so many uh, times I've heard in the past, uh, former players who are analysts, they talk about how, you know, the end of preseason cuts is also back to school time. So some of these veterans who have families, who have kids, they don't want to get traded suddenly to another team. That's not ideal at all for their family situation. So, you know, what if a player surprisingly gets traded to the London team? You know, the London, I don't know, baguettes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I mean, what if what if a player goes, goes there? By the way, what about an assistant coach? If they're looking for an opportunity, are they really going to go to the team in London of all places? I mean, imagine that travel schedule and trying to make that work with your family, especially if you have kids. Like, I mean, I, I think the NFL, this whole idea of having a team in London or anywhere in Europe, it's like, are you not thinking about the long lasting effect this could have on the players and their personal lives? I mean, I not that the NFL's ever given a damn about those kinds of things, but it's like, you know, you're definitely not showing that you care when you are trying to push for this. Um, this is a game, by the way, that should absolutely be happening at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, before the announcement came that the Chiefs and Dolphins were going to play in Germany, everyone was talking about the fact that Tyreek Hill is coming back to Arrowhead and this is going to be a game between two prolific offenses. Um, so if you're one of those people in Germany who bought a ticket within 14 minutes because this game sold out fast, then you're in for a treat. At least that's what's expected because uh, these two offenses are both very good. So, um, look, I'm not a fan of this whole international series. I don't know what's being pushed here. You don't see the Premier League or any of these other leagues. Yeah, sure, they come to the United States, but more for like exhibition games or playing guys, playing like they're redshirt guys. They're not playing their best players in the United States. No, hell no. They're saying, I mean, that's all happening uh, across the pond uh, for their more serious games. So, I don't know, man. I'm not a fan of this. I, I think the NFL is really pushing something that they think is going to be a home run when it's going to be the complete opposite. So that's just my uh, my point of view. And listen, I think it's awesome that there are fans internationally that care about the NFL. Um, I think it's really, really cool. Uh, you see a lot of um, people online who are not from the United States that care about the Chiefs or the Packers or whoever, and they're big NFL fans. I think that's awesome. But man, it's like... This whole push, I think it's going to have a very negative impact on these players and coaches, especially the team that has to travel eight or nine times out of London into the United States. Um, I mean, that even the, the Chiefs going to Mexico, like it's in North America, but there is a very specific game plan around that. This is, you know, the other side of the, 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 the world. So I don't know, man. You guys discuss amongst yourselves. Uh, let me know what your guys' thoughts are on all of that. We'll continue the show in just a moment, but we've got to give a shout out to another sponsor of ours, Manscaped. Football season is back, and you know what that means. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns. But fellas, let's not forget the real MVP of the season. Introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped, your ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field. Don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right. 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit is a grooming powerhouse built for precision and style, just like your favorite quarterback. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. Uh, 
Uh, I'll read a few comments here before we move on. Corey's asking, what should be expected from the wide receiver room moving forward? I have no idea. This is a really good question. I mean, this is a really good question. I just don't have an answer for this. I really don't. Um, there were a lot of things expected. And I, and I said this before the season. Sure, there are a lot of unknowns with this Chiefs receiver room. But I think Andy Reid and company were pushing for in hoping for these guys to hit their potential. They were leaning on that than having a reliable, which listen, there's a reason why the chiefs did target Deandre Hopkins. They still needed that clear cut. Number one guy. Um, I was really hoping with him not coming to Kansas city that this would have, you know, created some, uh, some hungry players there, but we have just seen the complete opposite. All, all these drops. And, and again, it's someone different every week. Drops on offense, drops on special teams. It's like that, 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 that's not a hungry group of offensive players right there. It's just not. That's what I was. That's what I said when the DeAndre Hopkins thing happened. When he went to the Titans, I said, okay, got a lot of young guys here. If they want it, I hope they're hungry. And we're not seeing it. The complete opposite. I mean, to answer your question, a great question. I don't know. Um, To me, it's just like. This, this these guys have potential, okay. A lot of I remember um, someone's old tweet resurfaced when they said, "Don't let Kadarius Tony get drafted to Kansas City," and then he got traded to Kansas City, and people laughed about that tweet. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think it, it, listen, and not that not that I think FAU is a bad player, Felix Anadike Uzama. But he's just not playing much, and they don't need him a whole lot right now because Mike Daniels playing well. George Karloftis is definitely taking a big step up. He's one of the league leaders in uh, quarterback pressures this year. Chris Jones playing very well, but it's just kind of you know you you start second guessing everything. Was it was it a smart idea to trade Amir Smith Marset? Was it a good idea to pass on an offensive player and draft FAU? Like you know some of those things are are definitely. Um, being uh, thought about right now. Corey's asking, in your opinion, who is the guy on offense that steps up or needs to step up? Uh, this, uh, this is a good question, too. Probably not a name a lot of you guys expect, but I'm going to go Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, this was the guy who finished the regular season as the AFC Offensive Player of the Month, and Chiefs fans made a big deal about the fact that this guy, Jarek McKinnon, had more touchdown catches than Tyreek Hill. So, you know... And not, not that those two, you know, they play the same way, but the point was, you know, the Chiefs, even though they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, they found ways to move forward without him because of guys like Jarek McKinnon. Um, we haven't seen those flashes, those flashy plays with McKinnon this year. Um, I was very excited when he came back. So were all of you guys. I don't know a single Chiefs fan who is not excited about Jarek McKinnon coming back. So I don't know. Uh, this is... um. I mean, you're, you're probably you were probably expecting a wide receiver to be named there, Corey. But I just don't know if I trust anyone. Like, like, okay, Rasheed Rice, he's going through his rookie struggles. He's a rookie and all that. Um, but he's your best guy at that position right now. And Justin Watson's number two. Um, if uh, Ty says if they don't fix the red zone offense, it's going to be a very easy win for Miami. Yeah, I agree with this, hundred percent. 100%. Uh, Scott does not like the international stuff. Gabriel says, true. How many divorces will this cause? Michelle also, uh, Michelle, Michelle says, this is not the International Football League. Um, Kyle's asking, how would you feel if they had an international Super Bowl? This is going to happen one day, guys. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. I don't know if it's happening within the next 10 years, but it will happen one day. Your biggest uh, the biggest event in the United States of America will one day be in London or Frankfurt. By the way, Gabriel says it'll be 6 a.m. here at in Washington State. Dude, good. Man, I always give credit to uh, to Chiefs fans internationally who have to wake up early or sleep late to watch a, a Chiefs game. Um, now we got some Chiefs fans over uh, on the West Coast that have to get up on a Sunday so early. Some of you guys may be skipping church or whatnot. Uh, everyone's uh, going to have a very interesting Sunday morning, uh, to say the least. J. 
Jason also doesn't care for international games, but they didn't ask us little people. It screws us out of a home game. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel says need to be more consistent with the run game. Oh, okay. So I was not planning on talking about this, but let's just go into it now. Um, you, you barely ran the ball with Isaiah Pacheco. And I know there were some times where he was stopped, but there were also times where he had solid runs. Um, Pacheco is 11th in the NFL and running the football. And when your wide receivers are struggling, and, he, and listen, let's just stop saying wide receivers. The offense as a whole has been struggling. We've seen Jarek McKinnon drop passes. We've seen Travis Kelsey drop passes. Um, your best wide receiver, Rasheed Rice. Yes, I know he's a rookie, but still, it's just it's just adding up at this point. Isaiah Pacheco has probably made the fewest mistakes. You're not running the ball. You're definitely not running the ball in short yardage situations. So the the lack of confidence with the running game to me is astounding. And I'm just not sure why that's the case. Sure, we're not we're not experienced coaches as uh Jason says, us little people, right? But we can still watch the game and notice these kinds of things. And if we can notice it, surely the coaching staff does as well. But why is it not being improved upon? I mean, I'll tell you what. Jalen Waddell is their number two wide receiver. He has more yards than Rasheed Rice. Um, A-Chan, their number two running back, has more rushing yards than Isaiah Pacheco. He's 10th in rushing yards. Pacheco's 11th. So Miami, you know, everyone talks about Tua and Tyree Kill in Miami, but they utilize the hell out of that rushing attack. If a team like Miami, which is a pass first team, I'll say it, can utilize their rushing attack like that, I'm sure Andy Reid can do it with Isaiah Pacheco. But especially in a year where the wide receivers are just struggling so much. So I don't know. Yeah, Stewart's asking, do you think the receivers will be ready for this? I mean, they've got to. If you're going to win this game, you're going to have to bring your A game on offense. Kyle asked, do you think Mahomes and the receivers need to band together or bond together and play Call of Duty again? Uh, I uh, personally prefer Final Fantasy 14 online, but or Grand Theft Auto online. But hey, um, you know I don't care if it's um, Angry Birds or Pokemon Go, uh, whatever it takes to to maybe establish that bond. And listen, Mahomes is kind of at an interesting place in his life right now, where okay, he's married, he's got two kids. Um, those kinds of things. And, and listen, I don't know how much Mahomes spends time with players um, after practice. He did it a lot before he got married and had kids. And now it's kind of the opposite where you're seeing him. Not, it doesn't get talked about often. It, again, I don't know. I'm not in Patrick's life, um, but I can, it would not surprise me if he's not doing uh, a lot of that stuff uh, anymore because he is uh, uh, far more busier uh, with uh, family stuff, under, understandably so. Uh, how long is it from Frankfurt, uh, from Kansas City to Frankfurt? Uh, according to American Air- Airlines, 11 hours and 41 minutes. United Airlines, 11 hours and 11 minutes. British Airways, 15 hours and four minutes. So uh, you get the idea, uh, double digit hours for sure. At least 11 hours. That is the, um, uh, according to, the good old website known as Google. All right, let's get into a Chiefs Dolphins in Germany, Frankfurt, Germany. Rich Eisen, Jason McCordy, and Dan Orlovsky will be announcing this game. Referee for this one uh, is going to be Clay Martin. So he is going to be the official for this game. Let's talk about Miami's offense. Offensive coordinator Frank Smith. Uh, his first time as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, Mike McDaniel did a lot of great things in 40, uh, with, with the 49ers uh, as a run game coordinator, as an offensive coordinator. Was not the play caller, though. Uh, but here he is in Miami, and uh, he's done a great job. You look at them, number one in every category. Scoring, a total offense, passing, rushing, all of that. Uh, number one in the NFL, red zone scoring for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and I mentioned red zone scoring. Uh, Miami is first. Kansas City is 17th. And they have the same amount of appearances in the red zone this year. And that is 31 appearances for both teams uh, each. So why are they so good? Well, two has been playing very well. Leads the NFL in passing yards with 2,400 yards. 
Uh, tied with Kirk Cousins for uh, touchdown passes with 18. Obviously, a sad story with uh, Kirk Cousins. So, obviously, Tua will uh, eventually uh, be the sole leader in that category. Raheem Mostert, again, I know everyone talks about Tyreek Hill, but you cannot forget about Raheem Mostert, who came over from Miami, obviously, or excuse me, uh, from San Francisco, has that connection to Mike McDaniel from there. Uh, Raheem Mostert, he is fifth in rushing yards. With 520, he has 10 rushing touchdowns. That is more than everyone in the NFL. But when you add in his two receiving touchdowns, he's got 12 on the season. Again, obviously, no one surpasses him still. So he was the NFL in scoring uh, by a significant margin. He's going to be questionable for this game. He's uh, listed on the injury report with an ankle injury. Devon Achan, I mentioned earlier, he has more receiving or uh, more rushing yards than Isaiah Pacheco. Five touchdowns, 460 yards, averaging 12 yards per carry. That is insanity. Think of when the Chiefs had Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones. This is Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones on steroids, except not, you know, actual steroids that would uh, get you uh, banned from the game. Uh, I mean, this is... Uh, a, a very bolstered edition of Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones. That is how insane this unit is here. Um, with the backup having the higher yard per carry average. Kind of funny how uh, those two uh, kind of are like a mirror image in a way uh, with uh, Charles and, and Jones. Wide receiver Tyree Kill. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's pretty fucking fast. Uh, he is the fastest receiver to surpass 1,000 receiving yards. He's got eight touchdowns on the seasons. 45 first down grabs, obviously leads the NFL in all those categories. The only person who comes close is A.J. Brown. Jalen Waddle, another great wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. 37 catches on the year for 480 yards. Um, just Again, just to give you perspective, Kelsey has 582 yards leading the Chiefs, but the Chiefs' leading wide receiver is Rasheed Rice with 361 yards. Waddle obviously has more than him. Uh, by 119 yards. So, yeah, not good uh, from that uh, standpoint. Uh, Braxton Berrios, he's got 194 yards. Obviously, there's a very big gap between two and three here, but not that it matters too much because you got your top two running backs and your top two receivers who handle it just fine. Um, guys who are depth players, Berrios, 194 yards and a touchdown. Robbie Chosen uh, has one catch for 68 yards. That's a touchdown. Uh, right there he's only been targeted one other time and that was against the buffalo bills that 68 yard catch uh touchdown catch was against the denver broncos um you guys all know how uh that one went obviously they scored 70 when the chiefs couldn't even score 10 uh tight end durham smith filling in for mike Gusecki. i'm very shocked mike Gusecki left and went to new england um uh, leaving Miami. I don't know if there was something behind closed doors or what, but he chose um, he chose a much lesser offense. Uh, so, you know, that's his choice. And I don't know, money was probably a factor. Uh, but hey, you got to live and die by those decisions you make there. Offensive line, center Connor Williams came over from the Dallas Cowboys, who have always been known to have a very good offensive line there. Right tackle, Austin Jackson, former first-round pick in 2020. Robert Hunt, a second-round pick in the same draft class, 2020. And Tua, uh, also uh, from the same draft class, drafted in the first round in 2020. So they did a really good job with that 2020 draft class and trying to use them uh, to try to build this offense the way they have. So uh, obviously went offensive heavy that year, and it has panned out, to say the least. Defensive side, coached by Vic Vangio, 15th in total defense, 16th against a run, 17th against a run, 25th in points per game allowed. That is the eighth most in the NFL. Take all of that for what it's worth to you because the Chiefs just faced um, a few defense. Well, I shouldn't say a few, but uh, in, the, in the span of three games, two different teams. Uh, the Broncos, who are dead last in total defense and almost dead last in every other defensive category, and the Chargers, who were the second worst defensive team in the NFL uh, behind Denver and near dead last in almost all those categories. Yet the Chiefs offense was not the Chiefs offense that we know and love. Yeah, they put up 31 on the Chargers, uh, which is, you know, not bad. I think that's that's certainly good. Maybe you would have expected a little more, uh, but you still got in the 30s there. Uh, but in the Broncos, uh, the two times you play the Broncos, you only scored one touchdown. And I think that one is what's concerning the most, is that this is the worst defense that you're going to face all year long. And you had your worst performance of the season. Um, listen, those things happen. 
uh, I don't know if you guys remember when um, the, the game where Matt Castle got uh, injured and Eric Winston went off on the fans for supposedly cheering for that when they were actually cheering for Jamal Charles getting a first down on that play. Um, in that game, the Chiefs lost to the Ravens 9-6. Obviously, it was just field goals. Guess who won the Super Bowl that year? The team that beat the Chiefs 9-6. The best team in the NFL that year, which is your eventual Super Bowl champions, the Baltimore Ravens, they beat the worst team in the NFL by only three points. Obviously, a very ugly win for Baltimore. And if the Chiefs don't fumble at the one-yard line, Baltimore might lose that football game. So... Um, if you guys remember that, go back and watch that game if you have NFL Plus. Very As ugly as it was, my point is, great teams do have moments like that. The Chiefs had theirs last week. Can they prevent it back-to-back weeks against a much more significant team? You look at the Dolphins' defense. Jalen Ramsey, he came back last week, and in his first game back in his Dolphins' debut, got an interception, ran it back 49 yards uh, in New England. Xavier Howard... Very underrated cornerback. Uh, he also has had an interception this year. Uh, just uh, four interceptions on the season for the Miami Dolphins defense. Uh, by the way, Xavier Howard is questionable. Did not play last week against the New England Patriots. Deshaun Elliott, strong safety, formerly uh, of the Detroit Lions. Safety Javon Howard, uh, he's a key player on that defense. Second in tackles with 52. Let's look at the Dolphins front there with Bradley Chubb, former Denver Broncos draft pick. He leads the team in sacks with five. Jalen Phillips on the other side, a first-round draft pick from two years ago, two and a half sacks on the season. So uh, offensive tackles um, for the Chiefs. Donovan Smith and uh, and Jawan Taylor, they're definitely going to have their hands full, uh, especially after a really bad showing last week from those two tackles. Uh, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle, has four and a half sacks. Another defensive tackle, Zach Seidler, he's got four sacks on the season. So some uh, some key guys up the middle of that uh, Dolphins defense. Uh, linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle has four sacks. Emmanuel Ogba, former Kansas City Chief, also a former Cleveland Brown, he has two and a half sacks on the season. He also has one of the four interceptions uh, from the Miami Dolphins this season. Uh, David Long Jr., their uh, linebacker, the guy who anchors that defense. Former Tennessee Titan, now a Dolphin. He leads the team and tackles with 55. So some key guys there to uh, be aware of from that Dolphins defense. Special teams kicker Jason Sanders. He has just seven made field goals on the season. Seven of nine. He has a third fewest field goals made. His longest from 45 yards. Obviously, they don't need him because Miami is just dominating and scoring by a very wide margin. And then putter Jake Bailey, just below average when it comes to his net and his uh, regular punt average. Uh, he has just 20 punts on the season. Again, same thing. They hardly need him on the year. Uh, he has 20 punts on the season, yet the Jets and Giants combined in last Sunday's game had 24 punts. How crazy is that? All right. What am I picking here? Um, I'm going to pick Kansas City. You guys know me. Uh why am I picking Kansas City? Well, for one, they're pissed off. Patrick Mahomes, uh, he is definitely, uh, I've seen the jokes online, he's going to be Petty Mahomes this week. That's what he's going to be. Uh, Patrick Mahomes definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder coming into this week. He has to be. I would be concerned if he wasn't. Same with Travis Kelsey. The offense has to prove they're better than what we saw last week, 100%. They move the ball well, but man, that killer instinct when you get close, that is what really hurts this Chiefs offense. So it is a gut check time for Mahomes and Kelsey as they try to lead this offense here. So how do they do that in this football game? I think just making, erasing those mental errors. And if you can do that, you've got a very good chance at winning this football game. Uh, so I think a lot of people want to see that. I'm going 31-27. And I think Kansas City's defense can do some things that Miami has not seen. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, are going to allow uh, the most points they've allowed all year. And I know that was the case last week as well, but not really their fault because, you know, when your offense turns it over five times and your defense still holds Denver to 40, or excuse me, 24 points, like, you know, what more could you could, could you have done with the defense? Um, especially when your punt returner is fumbling in his own red zone. So Kansas City defensively can definitely present some challenges. But man, that, that key stat to me, sack Tua four times. You do it, You've got an 80% chance of winning this game. That's my key stat line right there. So Chris Jones, Carl Loftus, FAU, Mike Dana. Um, 
I mean, that's been a good unit so far this year. So if they can continue to do what they've been doing all year long, you've got a very good chance at winning this football game. You want to silence Tyreek Hill? Let's see those defensive backs do what they've been doing all year long. They've been doing a good job of shutting down those big passes, not allowing those deep shots to happen on a consistent basis. So let's see what Kansas City does in this game right here. I'm going 31-27 Chiefs. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for those of you who watched live on Facebook and on YouTube. For those of you who did not watch live and listen on the podcast version, or maybe you watched the archived version on Facebook and YouTube, big thanks to you guys as well. Always much appreciated for everyone who downloads and listens to the Chiefs on Podcast, whether it's live or not. My name is Farzim Vasugan. Thank you all once again. I'm out of here. Enjoy your Sunday morning. Enjoy all the games. We will do our pregame live stream very early, 7 a.m. Central Time. So join us for that. Actually, we might push it to 7.30. We're going to play that by ear. But everything else is going to be the same. Our halftime live stream and our postgame podcast. We will be doing all of that live as we do each and every single game day. All right, guys. Enjoy the game. I'm out. Take care.